Welcome back to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. For those of you tuning in today, you might notice that this is a little different episode than normal. Normally, we are covering national politics, but as I've told plenty of my subscribers here, we are doing candidate episodes once per month. And for the month of September, we are joined by Christopher Coburn, who is running for the city commissioner's office out of Bozeman, Montana. Christopher, how are you doing today? Thank you for coming on the podcast. Hey, Desmond, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be spending some time with you. Yeah, absolutely. I really do appreciate you coming on and talking to us about your platform. You know, as a resident of Montana, I felt like it was my duty to interview someone who's also a fellow Montana. So I do appreciate that. And I kind of want to just start off with a little bit of personal questions. Yeah. So first and foremost, uh, can you just tell everyone like what part of Montana you are from? Like, are you from the Bozeman area or did you, or did you grow up somewhere else? I'm not from Bozeman. I actually was raised in Missoula, Montana. That's like my home. That's where my family's been for quite some time. Um, my grandparents are from Great Falls originally. So, um, but yeah, so moved to Bozeman four and a half years ago. Um, so been around Montana most of my life. Okay. And so what was it about Bozeman that uh, I guess initially like drew you there and then kept you there? Like, why did you want to like stay in that area? Yeah. So, um, you know, to be honest with you, when we first were thinking about making the move to Bozeman, I wasn't super pleased about it. You know, growing up my whole life really in Missoula, um, I was like, you know, that's my home. This is my place. This is my community. Um, and so we moved to Bozeman because my partner uh, was starting engineering school at the university. I'm sorry, at uh, Montana State University. Yeah. Um, and so we decided to make the move. And then when I got here, you know, I realized that all the stories that sort of, I sort of heard about Bozeman growing up were not true. And in fact, Bozeman <laughs> is just another one of these really beautiful, really special Montana communities. Um, and so it didn't take me long after moving here to really get sort of connected to the community through the work that I do, through the sort of uh, causes that I care a lot about um, and found uh, that there is just a really beautiful and passionate network of people in Bozeman working towards the same things that I'm working for. Um, and so it started to feel a lot like home. Then my partner and I, uh, we tied the knot here in 20, um, in 2019. And, you know, when you, that makes a place feel more like home too, you have all these really special, you know, people come to your home to, sh to share it with you and to sort of celebrate in your marriage and so that made it you know really feel like home um again and then you know now that i'm involved in local politics and being involved in the community in this newer way as you know as an appointed member to the Bozeman city commission it's really cemented the fact that this is my community right and you know being involved in the community can take on so many different forms i know that you told me personally that uh you've been working in the healthcare industry yeah. And that must be an intense place to be right now, especially during a pandemic. Can you just explain to us a little bit what it's been like working at a hospital during a pandemic over the last year and a half? Yeah, I mean, 
I think it's just important to name that this pandemic has impacted each of us in very different yet profound ways. And, um, you know, the way that it's presented for me in my life, both personal and professional, is that I've been, you know, working to support um, healthcare operations throughout the entire pandemic. So for me, as someone who works and, you know, I don't work in, I don't provide patient care. I sort of work in, in um, the other ways that hospitals support communities. But, um, you know, I really spent my time in the, in the pandemic supporting our care teams, helping to make sure that our communications to the public about COVID vaccines and COVID testing and sort of COVID signs and symptoms was clear and consistent. Um, and, you know, I also served during the pandemic and continue to serve on the Calton City County Board of Health. So um, not only was I am I, and, you know, during the height of the pandemic, which, you know, we could argue that we're reaching an, another peak right now, but during, you know, the past two years, um, being able to serve on the County Board of Health and help to sort of set the rules and policies and processes that were designed to keep people safe, um, while at the same time working for the hospital that serves most people in our community, um, was just a really, um, it felt like a really important time in my career, a really critical way that I could continue to strengthen and support the community that I love so much. Um, and, you know, was uh, exhausting and trying and, um, you know, sometimes scary for this because there's just so much happening and so much changing. But um, I'm somebody who likes to, I feel the best when I'm able to contribute and give back and, um, and you know, be, sort of on the ground doing work. So during this pandemic, it's felt really special and really important for me to be able to actually, you know, continue to work in ways that are supporting the community. Absolutely. And, and I, I kind of want to, I will circle back to, you know, more about your work with the healthcare industry, I think a little bit later in the episode, but, you know, it has been a very exhausting time for so many people. I mean, not just in our communities, but, you know, yeah. across our state, across our country. And so with all that being said, this was the time that you decided to run for office. Yeah. Right. And so just talk to me a little bit more about the decision that goes into that. Like, why did you decide to run for office now? Like, why was this the right move? Why this position? Yeah. Why city commissioner? Yeah, no, I think those are all really, good, really great questions. And uh, there are a few people in my life that thought it was ridiculous that I was choosing to do this in this time, in this moment, just because of the amount of work that I've been doing that we've all been doing and just, you know, how exhausted we all are. But those actually were some of the main reasons why it felt really right for me to run for Posen City Commission in this time and space, because um, I think that we really need leadership in this current moment that's going to be able to um, help us continue to stay safe and recover from this pandemic. And as a public health professional, I feel uniquely prepared to be, to um, sort of offer those skills for my community in this new way. So yeah. that's one of the reasons, but really, it, no, the reason that I ran for office uh, was a combination of, you know, the fact that I've always been interested in serving my community. And at this stage of my career, this feels like the right move. And, uh, you know, just some random opportunity as well. The Bozeman City Commission um, had not one, but two uh, seats open before their terms were up uh, in, uh, at, in the fall of 2020. Um, one of the commissioners had to step down. And then in April of 2021, another commissioner stepped down. So really when I was, you know, working from home a lot, helping to support the community through the pandemic, thinking about, you know, what my community service might continue to look like, um, there was an opportunity to apply to be appointed to the newly opened seat on the commission in October of 2020. And I thought, you know, hey, 
I've sort of thought about this before, you know, have been thinking that this could be a way that I could continue to contribute to the community in a new way. And so, you know, what's the harm in trying to get appointed? I'll throw my, I'll throw my name in the hat. And if I don't get it, then that's fine. I'll keep working in what I'm doing. If I do get it, then that's really great. I'll have a chance to really explore if this level of public service is something that I'm, you know, that I want to do uh, for a long time. So I sought appointment in October. I didn't get appointed um, during that during that appointment process. But what it what did happen was that I got a lot of community support. There was a lot of people who attended that commission meeting where they were appointing uh, the new commissioner and spoke um, on my on my behalf. And I took that, you know, not necessarily to be about me as an individual, but about the need for um, there to be somebody who has a lot of the same experiences that most people in our community have. Um, and so when that happened, I would just, you know, first of all, overwhelmed. And, you know, it was, it's just, it is an overwhelming experience when you sort of are, when you are confronted with the amount of support that you have and just sort of uh, when you sort of realize that you are um, in a position to really show up for people. And so right. uh, that made me really, you know, uh, sure that I wanted to, you know, uh, to be elected to the commission. And so I launched my campaign in January of 2021. And then, like I said, there was that um, additional opening in April for the commission that I applied for after I had already launched my campaign and I ended up being appointed in April. So this is my very first time serving in public office at this sort of, you know, at this commission level. And I'm doing it now as an appointed candidate who's working to get elected this November. So it's a lot of random circumstance mixed with just this, you know, passion and interest um, and skill set that I think really uh, makes me um, a good commissioner. Okay. And, and you know, I, I do want to take a second to, like, I guess, like, do a little bit of explaining for those at home, because I know that a <laughs> yes. lot of times when we have, pol you know, politicians come on, or we're talking about just topics in general, you know, some people may be very aware of everything that we're talking about, but some people may not. So I kind of want to just break this down a little bit for everyone who's listening at home. What exactly does the city commissioner do? Like, what do you have authority over? Like, what exactly do you oversee in the community? Like, what yeah. does a day-to-day -day operations look like for someone in your position? Yeah, that's a really good question. It looks, I mean, depending on what community you're in, it looks a little bit different because, you know, every community are, you know, most communities have just a slightly different structure of local government. In Bozeman, where I'm the current, where I'm a current city commissioner, we have, uh, city manager from our government. So that means that there's five elected commissioners. One of those, one of those commissioners runs and serves as the mayor. Um, and as, as a, as a commission body, we oversee our city manager who that person, that role oversees like the operations day to day of everything going on within the city of Bozeman um, as an organization. So um, my role as a commissioner is really to provide uh, strategic guidance and directionality to the work that the city manager does um, every day. Um, and as a commission, we uh, set the strategic priorities for the entire for the entire city of Bozeman, and that you know looks, I think, in really important ways, like uh, we approve and um, you know we approve and oversee the budgeting process every year. So okay. you know, um, which is no small feat, and I think you know for me budget documents are really 
aligned or they can communicate what the community really cares about. And so as a commissioner, we get to have say in where, where it is we're going to spend money and what sort of priorities we're going to have um, um, every year. We also are the deciding body for uh, many uh, decisions around development application, site plan reviews, how we zone our community, what things can be built where. So we have a lot of agency and say and approval in many cases over uh, how our community uses the land that we have and how we acquire new land through, um, through annexation. So those are some like the high level things that we work on you know, every day, all the time. Um, and then, you know, we're sort of responsible for keeping our finger on the pulse of what's going on in our community, being responsive to the needs, talking to people about the things that they know uh, we need to be uh, concerned about in our community. And then, you know, making sure that we're taking action on some of those things um, as they're aligned with our priority area. So it's really about sort of being engaged in the community, helping to set uh, our priorities and then, you know, um, really making sure that our priorities, the ones that we know we need to be working on are well funded and aligned with um, our with our budgeting process. Right, so it's safe to say that, you know, that this body is basically like the legislative branch of the city of Bozeman, is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's kind of dive into the issues a little bit because obviously when, you know, people are coming here to listen to this episode, they want to hear what your plans are for Bozeman and Bozeman like Missoula has one very glaring need in, you know, what everyone is talking about, which is housing, right? Yeah. So the housing, let's just call it what it is. It's a crisis, you know, across not just our country, it's an emergency, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's happening, you know, very much so in the city of Missoula, where I live in the city of Bozeman, where you currently live, people are being displaced over and over again from not being able to be able to afford to live in these communities. I think the vacancy rate is, I think, below like 1% to last time I, that I checked. It's becoming very unlivable for a lot of people. So yep. the question that I, I asked, I asked several people that I knew from Bozeman and I told them that I'd be mm -hmm. you know, having this interview with you. And I asked them and every single one of them, that was their top priority. So from your position, if elected, what yep. is it that you plan to do to address the housing crisis in Bozeman? Yeah, I think it's really a good question. And I'm not surprised when you, you, you know, sort of talk to identify that as the number one issue that they're concerned about, because that sort of mirrors the, the conversations I've been having. And every community conversation I'm in and every individual conversation I'm in, people right. know and experience and feel the crisis that is our housing. And it's more than just our housing crisis, it's our um, affordable and attainable housing, right? That's right, the, that's right. what I'm really focused on and what we need to be sort of convening around. And um, for me, there's, you know, there's no easy way to sort of build ourselves out of the crisis that we're in. There's so many factors that contribute to the current experience we have. And as someone, you know, I don't own my home, I'm in my apartment right now, I rent, I'm directly impacted by not being able to afford to live um, or to be able to own a home um, in the community in which I contribute to. So when I have this conversation, it's more from, it's not just from a sort of understanding of the talking points or of the words, but from like an actual lived experience about something that's impacting me and the people that I care about, the people that are in, that are really close to me. Um, 
I think a few things that we can do that we that we are working on that we will continue to do that if I'm elected, I'll continue to see that we move forward on. And I think one is making sure that affordable housing is a part of every housing conversation that we have. There are some people who think that if we just build housing, that that will some that that will increase the overall supply of housing and that will bring down prices. But what I'm concerned about is that if we don't articulate and spend time actually planning for affordable housing, we're going to just keep getting housing that continues to be unaffordable because it's built that way. It's designed that way. So I think that's one is making sure that um, affordable housing, that, that we don't lose track of what the actual issue is. And the actual issue is houses that people can afford. Um, so I think just keeping that as part of the conversation is one really important part. I think there's uh, ways that we can uh, be better and be more strategic about using the incentives that we have. Um, unfortunately, the state legislature took away our ability to have something that was called inclusionary zoning. So we used to be able to, for, for a few years, we were able to um, sort of mandate that affordable housing be built into these larger subdevelopments. We're not able to do that by law anymore, but we still have some ways that we can incentivize affordable housing. We could, um, uh, for instance, we could say, if you want to you know, use this site as a conditional use permit. So if you want to use this site in a way that it maybe wasn't exactly zoned for or you know, get some relaxations to our codes, we can allow that. But as an exchange, you have to then you know, provide some percentage of, of, of um, affordable housing in that unit. Um, we could look at things within our development code that make it harder to build affordable housing, like lot size minimums. Um, for instance, that is sort of a, a practice that we call ex exclusionary zoning. And we have that in Bozeman. We have a requirement that a lot has to be a certain size to build a house on it. Um, we have parking requirements that we could look at. You know, if you have an apartment complex that's going up, you are really limited by the amount of parking that you are required to have. Um, and so we could be making some exchanges and sort of code relaxations in exchange for housing that's going to be permanently affordable. Um, and then I think, you know, uh, with that, I think, you know, it's really important that we uh, sort of strengthen the partnerships that we have. There's a lot of people who have really great ideas about what, what housing needs to look like. Um, one example is a project I've been, I've been working on, um, not as a commissioner, but as, you know, through, my, through the other ways I'm involved in the community, um, working on a project that was bringing permanently supportive housing to our community, which is this type of housing that um, is designed to um, be a permanent housing solution for folks who are, who are experiencing chronic homelessness um, that's not conditional on people being sober, let's say, and that brings, uh, brings the services that they need right to them. Um, there's, and the way that we got, so that one of the ways that we're working on that is by building a uh, community of homes that really is a very different way for this community to look at housing. And they're, they're tiny homes, they're close together, they're, you know, um, the, the way that we brought that project to be would not happen if we had to stick directly to the code we have in Bozeman. So being, so keeping an eye on our code and making sure that it's working for us, I think is one way that we can get more housing in Bozeman. Okay. Well, I really do hope that some of these things come to fruition because I know yeah. that so many people are struggling with just not, not only not being able to get a home, but even if you are able to get in a home, whether that's renting or buying, you know, being able to afford said home is yeah. a whole different subject. But with that being said, there are more questions that center around yes. the housing topic, but we're going to be right back after a quick break. Uh, so just stay tuned. We'll have some more questions with Christopher Coburn right after this. 
Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. So we have some more questions here with our candidate, Christopher Coburn. You know, we were just talking about housing and, you know, the effects that it can have on people. But I want to talk about a specific effect that it's having, not just on people in Bozeman, but people, you know, all over the place in this country, which is when people can't afford their homes, sometimes they get displaced, they become, you know, homeless. And people who are experiencing homeless, we are seeing this happening, you know, across this state across this country, but I want to focus on Bozeman here. What is, what is the role of the local government there to help people who are experiencing homelessness? Like, how exactly can you help these people during their time of need? A lot of these people who are displaced because they can't afford their homes in Bozeman. Yeah, that's a really good question. And something I think about a lot. And I think, you know, it comes down to how you view and what role you think in general local government has in the community. And for me, local government's role is to really be creating the conditions in which everybody who calls that place home is able to thrive, has opportunities to thrive. And I think that housing is a critical and crucial part of that. So um, I think, you know, across the country uh, and including here in in uh, Montana and in Bozeman, the city has a responsibility in many ways to make sure that people have resources that they need. So I think, you know, we are working as a, as a community to bring about a, um, a full-time year-round shelter mm-hmm. so that people who need that sort of, uh, who need that sort of support, who need that sort of place to go, will have it. Right now we have a temporary shelter that's open um, for a few months out of the year when it's, when it's really cold out, which is important, but we need to do more. Um, I think that, 
we could be strengthening and working with our nonprofit partners to get people housed. Frankly, put that's what we should be doing. We should be creating housing for people who are, who are experiencing homelessness. And it's not, it's right. easier said than done, but I think that it's possible. I think that there are ways there are there are communities across the country and across the world really that are doing that. Um, and I think that we should be doing that too. So um, the way that I approach those conversations with folks around people, you know, because we do hear from people who are being displaced and who are experiencing homelessness. And we do hear from the other side, people who are concerned with the growing number of people we have in our community who are experiencing homelessness. And my response is coming from an uh, from a, a position of compassion and of really understanding that the way that we uh, solve chronic homelessness is to get people housed and to provide the types of community services like behavioral health care and transportation and childcare that people need. Right. And there, there are several reasons that lead into people becoming, you know, homeless. And I kind of want to just touch on one of them a little bit more and specifically right now, because I, when, yeah. in talking with people that I know in Bozeman, one of the things they talk about is that, you know, while wages are going up in your community, they don't exactly match what people are seeing in housing prices. Like for instance, you know, if you're making $15 an hour in yeah. Bozeman right now, that roughly pans out to $31,000 a year. And if you were to see what one bedroom prices are going for in Bozeman right now, we're talking around 1500 bucks. And so yeah. they say that, you know, if to not be like, I guess you would say like rent burdened, you'd want to be making at least, you know, your rents should be around like 30% of your income. Well, if that was the case, then you would have to be making around 55K a year just to have that apply to you in the city of Bozeman. Now, yeah. a lot of people are making 55K a year and yeah. the plans for affordable housing do seem a little far out, even if you start implementing them immediately. So in the meantime, what can the city do in the meantime to help these people who just cannot seem to make enough money to afford to live in their home? Yeah, I think there's a few things we can do. One of the things that we can do that we are doing is something that I uh, really strongly um, um, advocated for during our budget conversations uh, when deciding how we were going to spend some of the, our um, American Rescue Plan funds. And I was successful in securing half a million dollars to help people who are still experiencing impacts from the pandemic, including having a hard time paying their rent. So that's just one small example that's not nearly enough and not everyone qualifies for that. But those are the things that we could be doing is to be saying, hey, we understand that, you know, as we work to build affordable housing and to sort of correct our housing crisis um, in all the ways that we can, that people are being displaced. And so I think it's a responsibility of the city of Bozeman to say, to have some levels of support. And that could look like helping people pay for rent um, if that is, if they're at risk of losing their home, right? I think the part of affordable housing is not just creating new housing opportunities, but maintaining the ones that you have. And so that means keeping people in those houses. I also think there's this, you know, piece of the equation that if we were to be able to help people uh, and provide the types of services that, that they need that are sort of that they're spending, you know, huge amounts of their disposable income on. And I say disposable almost as a joke because I never met anybody. I don't know anybody who has income they don't need. Um, right. But uh, you know that that could be making uh, helping people out with costs of things like childcare. Um, making it easier for people to uh, work full-time or work more often if they wouldn't have to worry about the cost of childcare, um, making, making things like behavioral health care more accessible, because those are things that are expensive that we, that people are having to choose between 
you know, paying for their housing and paying for behavioral health care. And we should be able to support people who, and not make them have to make that sort of decision. So that's just a way of saying that there are direct supports that I think we could be doing to be able to people pay for rent and stay in housing. Um, while we also work with intention uh, to build specifically affordable housing that will be affordable to folks. Um, and while we're doing that, there's also ways that we could help support people and helping them to get the services that they need that are making it harder for them to pay for housing. So I think there's a, a few things that we could be doing. The truth is that uh, the state of Montana makes it exceedingly hard for local governments to uh, support people in the way that we need to support people. So we can, right. as a as a city of Bozeman, we can't really do anything about how much rent people are being charged, right? We right. we could you know ask nicely, we could plead, we could say, hey, please don't raise the cost of rent, but we can't do anything that really interferes with that sort of tenant the the tenant enter relationship. That's really clear in state law. So I get questions a lot about can we you know, um, just, you know, put a freeze on our rent increases. And unfortunately, that's not something that we can do. Um, uh, so there are just a few examples like that where we're, we, there's sort of, we can't do everything that I would like us to do, but there are things that we can do and there's things that we are doing. And I think um, that, you know, if I'm elected commissioner again this November, those things will not be lost track of. Right. And it's just a little side note for those listening. Um, what he's trying to say here is that, you know, there are some restrictions that the city cannot do because of the state government. So those down ballot races on your ballots for state house and state Senate, uh, don't forget to vote in those, you know, in those elections every two years. But, you know, kind of like transitioning away from that right now, I want to kind of circle full back to a conversation we were having in the first part of the episode where we were talking mm. about, you know, the healthcare system. Yeah. And, this does play a role and, you know, people who are experiencing homeless as well, because we know that people who are experiencing homeless, homelessness, also, you know, we have seen from the CDC that says that, you know, cases of coronavirus do tend to spike when people do get displaced. And so mm -hmm. obviously the vaccine is a, is a conversation that has been proliferating through our country right now. And there are some people who are still hesitant to get the vaccine. Now, as someone who worked in the healthcare industry, and now who is, you know, trying to become, you know, a commissioner for the city of Bozeman, what exactly is your role in helping people get the vaccine who still are on the fence about it or who just haven't gotten it yet? Like, where exactly yeah. do you fill that void? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that we could help to fill that fill that void. And um, I happen to be working at the um intersection of a lot of those ways. I think, you know, as a, as a public official, as a public health professional, as a community health advocate, um, I sort of spend most of my days really thinking and uh, working towards getting more people in our community fully vaccinated against COVID-19. So um, one way that I think we can do it, that we are doing, that that we are doing, but I think we could be doing more of is making sure that people have really easy access to COVID vaccines. And so that looks like more than just making them free. It looks like bringing them out to the community where people are at. So I um, run this program where we bring COVID vaccines to people at events. We bring them um, to community gatherings. We park outside downtown and give them people who are waiting in line for brunch. We really try to make it as easy as possible for people to get the vaccine. Um, that's one way, just to create easy access to them. 
Um, another thing we could be doing and that we are doing, I don't mean to say we're, not, we're, we're doing a lot of these things. There's just always room to be doing more. And I think these are things that I'm really passionate about. And the other, you know, so one of those ways is to uh, continue to communicate with people about how safe and effective COVID vaccines are. Um, and, you know, not use like a shame-based approach or um, sort of a fear-based approach, but in um, education-based approach that says, here's what the facts are about this vaccine um, and continue to rely on those on those truths. Um, and I think that's, that's proving to be something that people are really um, paying attention to um, because it's, you know, if you're, if you are hearing misinformation, that's subject to change. The facts are always going to be the same and we can sort of lean on those, those sort of talking points. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of communities across the country are thinking about ways to incentivize COVID vaccines. Um, so rewarding people um, and encouraging people to get vaccines um, who maybe would be swayed about, about the vaccine if there were just a little bit of an incentive. So all those things we're doing, all those things we're sort of working on. Um, and it's not just, you know, not just one entity or one organization, but it takes a collaborative of um, organizations working together towards the same goal, which is exactly what we have going on right now um, in our community. Okay. So I, I do appreciate you kind of staying, you know, within this. I know that it's been a very challenging time for everyone in that industry trying to do what they can to help people, you know, get the vaccine, so on and so forth. But, you know, on top of COVID-19, we also have the ongoing issue of climate change that we're seeing, you know, across the country, across the world, really. You know, thankfully, the last few weeks uh, hasn't been as much smoke in the air here in mm -hmm. Montana. But, you know, for what was it, about six weeks, about two months, maybe there was nothing but smoke in the air every yeah. single day. This is not something that's new for us. Unfortunately, we are seeing yep. this consistently year after year after year. I saw on your website that one of your pillars for your platform is addressing climate change. So at the local level, what is it that you plan to do to address climate change, you know, within the city of Bozeman, yeah. as far as what the commission is able to control? What is it that you want to do? Yeah, I think that's a really uh, important question. And I think, you know, I'm of the generation that grew up under the cloud of climate change, right? As long as I can remember, we the, the term climate change has been in the conversation and that's something that's been inundating me and my experience. And um, so uh, it's something that I think about often and something that's been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. And um, it's something that impacts all of us and is, you know, is, is, you know, is critical to everything that we want to accomplish. We need a climate that's healthy. We need a climate that's, we need some, we need to respond to climate in a way that's going to uh, allow us to have the kind of future that we all want and deserve. So at the local level in, in Bozeman, in 2020, we passed our climate action plan. And so Anybody who sort of knows anything about long range strategic plans knows that after you pass a plan, the next piece of work is making sure that you're working to see it um, fully implemented. And so that's what I plan to do as a Bozeman City Commissioner is to make sure that our climate action plan, which has a lot of important strategies, a lot of really good strategies, uh, incredible amount of strategies is fully implemented. And so some of those things are um, looking at how do we uh, support and sustain a local food culture. We know that if you are able to source food from where you live, that cuts down on the sort of on the carbon um, on the carbon 
emissions that you produce to get food to you. It also does a lot to help people stay connected to their community and you know think about how they're using resources. So that's an example of something that I think could be strengthened from our climate action plan. Um, we have a lot of intentions and a lot of planning to do to make sure that the, the fleet of cars that the city of Bozeman manages are transitioning away from um, fossil fuel powered cars and vehicles. So right. that's a piece of work that we need to keep working on. Um, there are ways that we can lead by example and incentivize people moving away from having, you know, huge lawns of just grass and making it easier for people to, um, you know, use and um, uh, be excited about drought tolerant plants and landscaping that uses very little to no water resources. So all of those things, I think, are embedded or at least connected to in part our climate action plan. And so I really do feel that the bulk of the work of the commission over the next several years is going to be to make sure that we look to that plan and we make sure and we uh, allow it to be implemented by um, aligning it with our budget priorities and giving it the attention that it deserves. Absolutely. And you know, thank you for addressing that because what we really do need is to see more action on the local level, you know, because unfortunately we're not seeing enough action on the federal level, but save that yep. conversation for another day. Christopher, yes, I would love to we, have that with you. <laughs> as we are transitioning to the end of the episode here, for those of you, for those of the people right now who are listening, who are residents of the city of Bozeman, who are trying to decide whether or not to vote for you. What is your final message to the people of Bozeman why they should elect you to the city commission? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I really hope that the um, that my friends, neighbors, colleagues, friends in Bozeman uh, vote for me because they trust in me. They understand that I, um, you know, more than know the housing issues that are impacting all of us, I live them. Um, that they that they begin to see that many of the hardships that a lot of families in Bozeman occurring that are currently experiencing are part of my early lived experience. So I know them intimately. Um, and I have a lot in common with most of Bozeman. And I, uh, so far in the commission, I've worked really hard to make sure that our voice and our needs were. Um, amplified at the highest level of local governments. And I'm going to continue to do that. And so my main message is, is that, you know, if you want a Bozeman City Commission that understands the needs of our community, that's connected to the issues, um, and you want commissioners that have a history of working to make Bozeman better, um, then I'm your person. I'm one, of your, I'm one of the people that can help to get Bozeman to a place uh, that really does include and work for everybody. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And where can everyone find you if they want to stay more involved with your campaign, learn more about you? Where can they find you online? Yeah, so there's basically two main ways to stay connected to the campaign online. One is my campaign, my campaign website, which is just Coburn for Bozeman, all spelled out, .com. Um, and my handle on both Instagram and Facebook is just at Coburn for Bozeman, for spelled out. All right, everyone, if you want to get in touch with Christopher Coburn about, you know, with him about his platform, there'll be some links in the description. So go ahead and just click into the description right now, and you'll be able to see those links that he just mentioned. Christopher, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Today. I really appreciate I really it. appreciate this. And uh, hopefully we'll see you back on in the future as an elected representative. So thank yes. you. <laughs> thank you again for coming on. Everyone else, we're going to take one final break, and then we'll be back with my final thoughts of the day. Stay tuned.
Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. I want to first thank my guest, Christopher Coburn, for coming on to the podcast today and for sharing your platform with us. I feel like as though I have now fulfilled my quota for my one Montana politician per season. So thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about your vision for Bozeman and what you think is going to help that community. I know that they're going through trying times, especially with the housing market that we are also seeing over here in Missoula. So I wish you the best of luck in your race. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit about what else people need to be thinking about when it comes to this episode and what they just heard. If you are a local Bozeman resident, please make sure that you are registered to vote. First and foremost, there's going to be a link in the description of this episode. Uh, go ahead and check that link out to make sure that you are registered, especially if you have moved within the last year, make sure your registration is up to date. And then also, again, if, if you're living in the Bozeman area or if you're not, but you know people who do live in the Bozeman area, please go ahead and share this episode. I know that some people may not be aware that there's a local election coming up here in the next month or so. So please go ahead and share this episode. The reason why I say that this needs to be shared, I mean, besides the fact that, you know, it's probably just good to share information that there's an election coming. We just saw a primary election here in Missoula this past week, and the voter turnout over here in Missoula was less than 40%. And truthfully speaking, everyone, I know that we just I feel like we just left election season, but these local elections are vastly important. I think you can argue that they might be the most important. So I, I really do hope that those who are listening to this, you know, like not just participate in voting yourself, but talk to your semi-voting friends or your non-voting friends and family members and make sure that they are participating in, in voting this year in these local elections. It's so important to make sure that we're all turning out and making sure that our voices are heard, especially here on the local level. So what is coming next for independent thought? The next thing that I want you to be aware of is that I have one more episode coming out next week, and then I'll be taking a mid season break. So there will be two weeks where there'll be no new episodes from independent thought. So just be on the lookout for that. And then we will be returning on October the 11th. So mid season break coming up in the meantime, if you're looking for some new content, Always be aware of what's going on on YouTube. There might be some things dropping on my YouTube channel. So just make sure that you are subscribed to the YouTube channel to make sure you don't miss anything because that would be tragic if you did. So go to YouTube right now and there's actually a link in the description of this episode. Click on that YouTube link, go to the channel, make sure you subscribe, hit the little notification bell. There's always gonna be new videos popping up from now on. It's a YouTube kind of a year. So thank you to everyone for checking out this episode and for sharing this episode, hopefully, on social media. And I hope to see you in the next episode. Take care.